Welcome to the BJA Education Podcast. Welcome to the BJA Education Podcast. I'm Cliff Shelton. And I'm Benj Marriage. Dexmedetomidine is an alpha-2 agonist that induces sedation that resembles natural sleep. In the United Kingdom, it's licensed for intensive care sedation, but has an expanding role in other settings, and an expanding body of literature illustrates some of its advantages over conventional sedative agents. However, its use in clinical practice remains something of a rarity. To accompany the article, Dexmedetomidine, its use in intensive care medicine and anaesthesia, in the July 16 edition of BJA Education, Cliff went to speak to the authors, Joe Sebastian and Victoria Scott Warren at Salford Royal Hospital. So I'm here in Salford Royal Hospital to discuss the forthcoming article, Dexmedetomidine, its use in intensive care medicine and anaesthesia. And uh, joining me are both of the authors of that paper. Victoria Scott Warren, I'm one of the ST6 trainees from the North West Deanery. Joe Sebastian, I'm a consultant neuroanesthetist based at Salford Royal Hospital, Manchester. Dexmedetomidine is a relatively new agent and its unique property is that it induces sedation that resembles natural sleep. Joe, could you start off by talking about what dexmedetomidine is? So dexmedetomidine, it's a relatively new sedative agent in the UK, um, launched only in October 2011. And its initial license indication in the UK and the only license indication is for the sedation of ventilated patients in the intensive care for up to 14 days. And it is a drug with fairly unique properties. And as you say, it induces a form of sedation um, rather like sleep where the patient is cooperative and can be um, responsive to external stimuli. Um, it also has additional uh, benefits of analgesia and anxiolysis, and it has these properties without the, the side effects of sedation that we most fear, that is respiratory depression, and I think that's one of the main advantages of this, of this drug. By what mechanism does dexmedetomidine induce sedation and analgesia? So dexmedetomidine has, a, again, a unique uh, mechanism action compared to other agents. It acts on the alpha-2 receptors on the presynaptic membrane within the neurons in the CNS. Now the highest concentration of these alpha-2 receptors is in the locus ceruleus in the midbrain and by acting on this site and by reducing your adrenaline release um, sedation is induced in a, in a dose-dependent manner. Alpha-2 receptor agonism is very reminiscent of clonidine, which I think is more familiar. Uh, how is it different from clonidine? So clonidine was in fact the first alpha-2 uh, agonist in, um, in development. And it's interesting to, to look back at the development of clonidine. Clonidine was initially developed, uh, well, the intention was for it to be a nasal decongestant. But when they actually administered uh, this drug to patients intranasally, they found very interesting central effects in that these patients became sleepy, uh, they developed a dry mouth, low blood pressure and bradycardia. And that's when it was um, found out that these drugs had central effects. Now, clonidine now, as we know, um, is primarily marketed as an antihypertensive agent and that's its license indication. However, we do use clonidine for, for sedation on, on ICU, for example. Now, dexmedetomidine like clonidine, is also an alpha-2 agonist, but it has marked differences. The affinity for the alpha-2 receptor is much higher than clonidine by a factor of 8. 
dexmedetomidine has also other pharmacokinetic advantages. It has shorter redistribution and elimination half-life, which makes it suitable um, for use uh, in theatre, for example. You mentioned that dexmedetomidine does not depress respiration. Does it have any effects on other organ systems? Yes, yeah, so there are cardiovascular effects of uh, dexmedetomidine, and those are biphasic. So at higher rates of infusion, such as you might see with a loading dose, the predominant effect is hypertension, and that's due to activation of the alpha-2 B receptors on vascular smooth muscle. But that effect's then superseded by hypotension and bradycardia, and that's the result of the centrally mediated inhibition of sympathetic outflow. We've mentioned that clonidine was initially developed as a nasal decongestant, and dexmedetomidine is um, a nasal decongestant and has anti-silagogue effects. We've mentioned the defining feature of the sedative action of dexmedetomidine is its minimal effect on ventilation. Um, and in addition to that, MRI studies have shown that the airway remains patent during dexmedetomidine sedation. Uh, dexmedetomidine also suppresses shivering, um, and it also exerts a diuretic effect by inhibiting the action of ADH at the collecting duct. Can you describe the pharmacokinetics of dexmedetomidine? So de dexmedetomidine is largely protein-bound, by about 94%, mm. and about 6% of the drug is free um, to uh, pass through the blood-brain barrier. It displays linear kinetics when given at the standard infusion rates of 0.2 to 1 mic per kilogram per hour. It has a redistribution um, half-life of 6 minutes and an elimination half-life of about 2 hours. It shows a steady state volume of distribution of about 118 litres. In terms of the metabolism of the drug, um, it's primarily metabolised in the liver. It undergoes glucuronidation, hydroxylation and N-methylation to inactive metabolites which are then renally excreted and that's important because hepatic impairment should prompt a dose reduction whereas renal replacement therapy and renal impairment doesn't require a dose adjustment. I'd just like to add that there are no differences in metabolism between the sexes, nor are there any age differences. So how is dexmedetomidine administered? Dexmedetomidine um, is usually administered intravenously, um, and it's usually admin administered for the purpose of sedation in theatre by a loading dose of uh, one mic per kg over 10 to 15 minutes. And that loading dose uh, enables sedation to be achieved much quicker than otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, this loading dose is not recommended in intensive care because the loading dose is associated with hypotension and bradycardia, which is perhaps not very well tolerated by that particular patient group. The loading dose should be followed by a continuous maintenance dose, and that's usually between 0.2 to 1 mic per kilogram per hour, although in intensive care the infusion rates can be higher, up to 1.4 mic kilogram per hour. There are other routes of administration of dexmedetomidine which have been described such as the intranasal route, the oral route and the buccal route mm -hmm. um, and the intranasal route has been used particularly in the paediatric population for the purpose of administrating pre-medication of this drug. So what about in the intensive care setting? In terms of how we actually give dexmedetomidine as an infusion on intensive care it's important to note that it's not given in the same way as other more traditional sedatives, for example propofol, in as much as nurses would typically give bolus doses of sedation, propofol or midazolam in response to patient wakening and dexmedetomidine is not given in that way, it is given as an infusion and bolus doses should not be given. 
um, it takes up to an hour after a dose adjustment for a change in the level of sedation to be clinically seen. Um, so it's a, an infusion that's given over a period of time and not in response to short-term changes in patient levels of sedation. What do you do then if, if the patient does become agitated or um, does start to be uncooperative? So typically rescue medications of propofol, midazolam or analgesics, depending on the cause of the agitation, will be given in addition to dexmedetomidine in that situation. Okay. But that would lead to an assessment of whether dexmedetomidine was the correct sedative for that patient. What does the literature tell us about the advantages of dexmedetomidine when compared to more traditional sedatives? So dexmedetomidine is not inferior to propofol and midazolam as shown by the Midex and Prodex studies, and it perhaps has specific indications in which it's better. Um, we know that the median duration of mechanical ventilation was significantly shorter with dexmedetomidine than with midazolam in the Midex study, but not when compared to propofol. We know that patients who are nearing extubation from ventilatory point of view, a metabolic point of view and a cardiovascular point of view, but who are resisting extubation because of agitation may particularly benefit from dexmedetomidine. That's been shown recently in a randomised control study, the DALIA trial in JAMA. That was a double-blind placebo-controlled randomised clinical trial um, looking at adult patients with agitated delirium receiving mechanical ventilation. They found that the addition of dexmedetomidine to standard care compared with just standard care alone resulted in more ventilator-free hours at seven days. And in addition, dexmedetomidine compared to placebo shortened the resolution of the delirium and the time to extubation in patients by approximately one day. So that's sort of the advantages of dexmedetomidine in the critical care setting. What about in the anaesthetic setting, Joe? In the anaesthetic setting, um, the main advantage is, it, is that it provides a fairly unique form of sedation during which the patient can be uh, roused. Mm. But the main, the defining feature is that it does not affect respiratory drive. And this is seen at even much larger doses of uh, dexmedetomidine outside the, the usual um, infusion rate. There have been case reports of um, this drug being used at 10 to 15 times um, that infusion rate without affecting respiratory drive. How do you use it in your practice as a neuroanesthetist? So in my practice I use it mainly for awake craniotomy um, and awake craniotomy is where when patients are having uh, supradentorial brain tumours removed uh, and these tumours are close to eloquent brain areas so they are tested functionally as the tumours are uh, identified and removed. Now dexmedetomidine is very very beneficial because it provides a good quality sedation during which the patient can cooperate with testing. It provides additionally anxiolysis and analgesia and most importantly for me I do not have to worry about the airway. The airway where the, where the patient's head is away from the anaesthetist, an airway uh, which may be difficult to secure because the head is immobilized in pins and they're the main main advantages. The other advantage is it, it does not seem to have an effect on um, on seizure threshold which mm -hmm. is always uh, an advantage in the context of new anesthesia and it does not affect intracranial pressure. Is there evidence in the literature to support the use of dexmedetomidine in awake craniotomy? Yes, the first awake craniotomy uh, using dexmedetomidine was performed by a anaesthetist in New York by the name of Becker in 2001 mm -hmm. and since then it's 
benefits um, in this setting is is has been you know much recognised. Recently, there's been a paper from the BJA by Gettel et al, which confirms what what we all know that dexmedetomidine does not affect respiration and the maintenance of respiration. So this is a trial where they where they com compared dexmedetomidine to what most anaesthetists use for sedation for awake craniotomy, propylremifentanil, and they found that the incidence of respiratory adverse events was much less with dexmedetomidine compared to propylremifentanil com um, combination. That sort of reinforces what, what the main advantage of this drug is. So we've talked a lot about the advantages of dexmedetomidine. Does it have any disadvantages? Well, the, the main disadvantage would be the um, hypotension and bradycardia that can be seen with a loading dose. Now, this is rarely problematic in the theatre setting where we use the drug to sedate patients, but it may be not very well tolerated by patients who perhaps are hypovolemic and hypotensive to start off with, mm -hmm. those patients with heart block, those patients who may not be able to uh, compensate for the cardiovascular changes, i.e. patients with autonomic dysfunction, diabetics, fixed cardiac hyperstates. So you may have to be careful in these patient groups. So in terms of intensive care problems with dexmedetomidine, it's important to note that it does provide a novel conscious sedation, which is unlike that of the other sedatives with which critical care staff might be more familiar with. And after a dose of adjustment, a new steady state sedation level may not be reached for up to one hour. So many intensive care units have protocols in place to allow nurses to bolus sedation when indicated, but it's important to note that dexmedetomidine should not be administered in this way. There's also the additional problem of cost, as upfront costs of giving dexmedetomidine as an infusion are higher than the upfront costs of giving the more traditional sedative agents. But there has been some work to look at that. Um, and on the basis of the marketing company's cost minimisation analysis, which explored costs associated with drug preparation, management of adverse events, co-prescribed medicines and the reduced costs associated with earlier extubation. In fact, the Scottish Medicines Consortium considers the economic case for dexmedetomidine to be made. You mentioned in the article about a discontinuation syndrome. Can you describe what that involves? So a discontinuation syndrome has been seen with prolonged clonidine infusion and occasionally reported with dexmedetomidine. The way it manifests is with rebound agitation, hypertension and tachycardia. And if it's noted, then that should prompt a more gradual dose reduction of the infusion rate. So you mentioned in the article that there are some reports of using dexmedetomidine as a sole agent for surgical anaesthesia. In what circumstances might this strategy be appropriate? There are case reports in the literature of using dexmedetomidine as the sole agent for general anaesthesia, and these are at much higher doses than, than would be recommended. So to give you an example, um, the usual infusion rate is about 0.2 to 1 mic per kilogram per hour, but they were using infusion rates up to 10 mic per kilogram per hour. Surprisingly, in these cases, there was no airway obstruction, although one of the case reports required a chin lift, and there was no cardiovascular collapse, mm. um, which was interesting as well. But I must stress that these are isolated case reports, and I don't really advocate that this be done on a routine basis. But these patients were very unfit to be managed by other methods of general anesthesia. Mm. I believe you have some experience of using dexmedetomidine for sedation for non-invasive procedures. Is that something you could describe? 
Yes, we um, published a case report in anesthesia cases of a gentleman who was was very claustrophobic, had a high BMI, and critically had a um, external compression of his trachea from a, a supraclavicular mass, which was actually a neurofibroma. Um, my colleagues had tried to scan him just using traditional agents such as midazolam, uh, which proved to be unsuccessful. Um, so we had another attempt using dexmedetomidine, again using the uh, recommended loading dose of one mic per kilogram, followed by a fairly maximal infusion rate of about one mic per kilogram per hour. Um, and we managed to scan him uh, successfully. We also did have to administer some midazolam because one of the features or disadvantages of dexmedetomidine is, is that patients remember it does not induce amnesia. So we wanted him to have a fairly comfortable experience without any unpleasant flashbacks um, to, to his scan. So that was a memorable case where dexmedetomidine was very, very useful. So what do you think are the take-home messages from your article? I think the take-home message uh, from my article would be um, dexmedetomidine is a novel agent. It's, it, it works in a, in a manner which, uh, which is completely different from the traditional agents. It's not an everyday sedative in that um, it will never replace midazolam and propofol, for example, because you have to give it by a loading dose. It takes time to work. However, it has certain niche indications where the use of dexmedetomidine is highly beneficial for the patients, uh, particularly sedation in difficult clinical situations or with difficult patients. Joe Sebastian, Vicky Scott Warren, thank you very much. So thanks to Cliff, Joe and Vicky for a fascinating discussion. I hope that inspires some of the listeners to read around the topic and maybe incorporate dexmedetomidine into their own practice. To find out more, make sure that you take a look at the article, Dexmedetomidine, its use in intensive care medicine and anaesthesia in the July 2016 edition of BJA Education. Next month, we'll be moving from a new sedative to a more familiar agent. We'll be talking to Dr. David Mulvey about his article, Principles of Total Intravenous Anaesthesia, Practical Aspects of Using Teva.